Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, and of course, the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, also as well, if you could like, share, subscribe to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with the latest Pop Culture Cosmos, great interview, and so much more. So go ahead, please subscribe today. We're growing so much by leaps and bounds ever since that awesome video that i posted if you haven't checked it out already on the sphere go ahead and check that out it's almost at 150,000 views so i'm very thankful and blessed that you've gone and taken your time out of your day to go ahead and check that out but again for everyone out there subscribe so you can hear the latest stuff that we do whether it's the state of pro wrestling the pc multiverse the pop culture cosmos whatever you can do to go ahead and support us it's greatly appreciated Plus also as well, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. We still have a website. You can go ahead and check out my latest thoughts on AEW's Fight Forever. I plan to post sometime this week my thoughts and updates on the Marvel Cinematic Universe and where I rank all the movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 has debuted on Disney+. Plus. So now that everybody has had a chance to see it, go ahead and check out my thoughts this week right there. But also as well, you can go ahead and check out what we're doing today at, of course, Vampires and Vitae, of course, Wizards of Wine, and all the great stuff that we're doing, and the Happy Hoarder. Big shout out to Josh Peterson, who had to step out today because he's selling all of his great collectibles this weekend at the Bell County Comic-Con. So wish him well on that. But yes, if you could go ahead and support everything that we do, including all of our social media and our great radio stations that play our show, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without a good friend indeed. I know it's not Friday, everyone, or the weekend. It's actually moving, switching places. It's almost like Freaky Friday all over again. So I had Josh appear on a PC Multiverse recently. And now I have Melinda here. She is our fantastic hostess with the mostest <laughs> of everything that we do in tabletop RPG with Vampires and Vitae, and of course also as well, Wizards and Wine with Wild Beyond the Witchlight and everything that she does here indeed. It is Melinda Barkhouse-Ross, and Melinda, thank you for coming on such short notice because I know, of course, our good friend Josh Peterson has uh, up to his ears in Pokemon and Pops at the Bell County Comic-Con, so I appreciate you stepping in. We're going to talk about a lot of good things here going on in pop culture. Yeah, for sure, and uh, it's my pleasure. We just happened to uh, be dark today for Vampires and Vitae. Uh, one of the cast members had some real-life stuff that he had to take care of, and we're at a pivotal point um, between the first arc and kicking off the second, so we didn't want to have a character absent, so we're dark for today. But we'll be back yeah. next weekend. I did hear last week's episode, so I'm on pins and needles. What's going to go on? We hear. Oh, so we'll go ahead. And, oh man, indeed. <laughs> so go ahead and check it out. To catch up, if you have not yet already, at Vampires Vitae on YouTube or Vampires Vitae wherever you get your podcasts. But it's going to be a great episode. We're going to be talking the weekend box office. We're going to be talking conventions galore. And the thing is, everybody talks about all the Comic-Cons and all the you know CES and 
back when the day E3 and all that good stuff. Well, this weekend, this past couple weeks has been a great time for a bunch of mid-level pop culture conventions. So we'll go ahead and talk about that on today's show. Also as well, I know we've only touched on it on some shows in the past, but we've got to go ahead and talk more detail because the Eras Tour with Taylor Swift has exploded across the galaxy. We will go ahead deep into our thoughts on the Eras Tour and basically talk about and ask, is this the greatest concert tour of all time? So we'll go ahead and talk about that. And of course, Star Trek. Star Trek Strange New Worlds doing all these sorts of crazy things. I didn't give Melinda a late night message asking what the heck is going on this time around with the latest <laughs> episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds because I was too busy singing. Yeah. Why? Because the first musical episode ever happened on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. So I have thoughts on that. And last but certainly not least, the director herself, Melinda Barkhouse Ross, will guide me through my first real voiceover uh, actually i've done voiceovers for our commercials and stuff for pop culture cosmos and a ton of stuff like that but it's my first real voiceover so in lieu of the strike and i apologize to the wga and the sag after people out there but i'm going to be doing my shot at voice acting on today's show as well but first my friend are you pink enough because it's been pink now for the past three weeks, and Barbie has exploded onto the world landscape when it comes to the box office. And after another really strong hold, my friend, Barbie, by all estimates, by the end of this weekend, will have amassed over $1.03 billion. So it's essentially $1 billion. So Barbie is now a billionaire in that billionaire's club. Something that when Margot Robbie first pitched a Barbie movie said that's what the potential could be. But even she didn't believe that actually, you know, it's stuff you say to execs, but yeah. you know, she had no idea it actually would actually get that far. But it has now happened and the movie is now a billion dollars in the rich. Your thoughts on Barbie as it crosses the billion dollar mark? It is a pink runaway freight train. And I, I, I expect it's going to be at the top of the box office for another couple, maybe even another few weeks. Um, it just seems to be one of those movies that even if you're not a Barbie fan, there's so much buzz and hype around it that you're willing to go check it out at the theaters just to say that you've seen it. So you can also be included in those water cooler conversations at work. I, I agree with you, my friend. And I think the key thing is here, with, since the Meg two uh with poor reviews you know it came in second here domestically the dc slate as of late has underperformed greatly for the most part and because of that i don't have very much confidence in the blue beetle a movie that actually was only supposed to be meant for a max it was only supposed to be meant to go on max but warner brothers execs thought so highly of it they might they made it and turned it into a box office release but i still even though the lead actor does a great job in cobra kai i still don't you know, with the way dc has been performing as of late i think people will still see this as doa because of what's going on with the future for dc with james gunn and all that so i, I think that 
Blue Beetle is uh, probably not going to be able to break that chain that that Barbie has had on the hold for for what's going on with the box office. So you could be very well right. Barbie could dominate the rest of August at the very least. Yeah, I just don't see anything coming down the down the pipe that uh, it's going to have the steam to kind of take Barbie out, really. And it's, and it's weird because you have this this great juggernaut in Barbie. I don't think it'll reach two billion. I think it's still it's lost enough momentum where if two billion may be out of the possible realm of possibility. Maybe you can get to Spider-Man No Way Home. Maybe you'd only get to one point five billion. But my gosh, when you're talking over a billion dollars, it's it's been a great success, a huge success for Mattel and Warner Brothers. Yeah, absolutely. And and I agree. I think 1.5 is probably the the sweet spot for it. Yeah. What's surprising me now is that it's crossed the billion dollar line. There's still no talk of a sequel. And part of the reason I heard as far as reports say that there's a possibility that all three of the main individuals involved, Ryan Gosling, Margot Robbie, and of course, director, the first female director to ever helm a billion dollar hit. Greta Gerwig mm-hmm. do not have contracts for said sequel, which yeah. is so mind-numbingly stupid for all the sense purposes that you don't have that in a contract for that kind of option, just on the sheer chance that it goes is that successful. That just blows me away that that happened. Well, it just goes to show you that you should never underestimate a Barbie. Absolutely. I agree with you on that. Mm. And Oppenheimer is well on its way to half a billion dollars itself. Uh, the Barbenheimer concept has wor- worked really, really well. That really has. That, that, that took a life on its own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I understand it was kind of a marketing ploy eventually that they worked together on it. But it is something that it got a life of its own and has worked out really well for both of those movies. Yeah, absolutely. And so clever. So yeah. like as soon as it became a meme and then they agreed and they were like, yes, let's officially talk about promoting the films this way. Uh, I thought it was just genius. I, I don't understand the the pushback that you get sometimes on stuff like that, where you find like a grassroots kind of marketing scheme that you can use and there's pushback on it. This time they embraced it and look what's happened. Both movies have done fantastic. Absolutely. And you and I, like you said, have seen it before as far as pushback against something that could go viral and that is going viral yeah and it was very smart of of everyone involved to go ahead and do that although of course there was uh, some pushback earlier this week in regards to some uh, very insensitive tweets uh, to the country of japan where uh, the barbenheimer uh, tweets uh, got out of hand and uh, they had to apologize for it but before then, for the most part, Barbenheimer has worked very well. And regarding those circumstances, again, when you talk about a movie from Barbie, which is on one end of the spectrum, and then you talk about Oppenheimer, where it is dealing with something on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. It's interesting how all this has played out and how so many people have embraced the Barbenheimer concept. Respectfully, I understand outside of, of the, the Japanese and Asian markets, I understand why that could possibly not be the case. So, but outside of that in the US, Canada, UK, you know, South America, where they are embracing it, I'm, I'm really uh, glad to see that this Barbenheimer concept has worked well. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's clever when you start to see, uh, companies in, like I said, kind of embracing stuff that has started at grassroots and yeah, you know what, let's go ahead and make this a thing. And I think because the two movies are polar opposites of each other, I think that's why it worked. I think if you had like two superhero movies that were trying to do the same thing and there was no crossover in the actual films, I don't think it would work as well. I think the, the uh, subjects would be too close, but these are so polar opposite that it's funny. I agree with you. And and yeah. I think that's why it's worked. I think that's why it's worked well. I think that's, you know, despite the pushback in certain areas, like you said, uh, it has over, over by leaps and bounds over done its, itself, outdone itself tremendously and exceeded every expectation. But the rest of the box office has the Meg here domestically the meg 2 didn't yeah i don't say that's too disappointing the obviously coming out to poor reviews uh didn't help its hits matters but you know with jason statham this seems like the cash grab that everybody thought it was well yeah and i mean why not at this point for for mr statham and please i love me some john statham i i was a transporter jason. girl Yes, I was, you know, I, I was a transporter girl years ago. So yes. um, I, uh, I, I quite enjoy his movies. Um, and uh, yeah, it's everybody needs to make money, Gerald. Yes, this is yeah. true. And, and he's doing just that with this <laughs> one, even though it probably will not uh, match what Warner Brothers yet again are looking for as far as expectations on that. Oppenheimer finished third, just behind, close, close behind the Meg Two and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem, which actually got an earlier start this week. It is the, how should I say, Seth Roganized version of TMNT: Mutant Mayhem. It's gotten actually very good reviews. It's actually gotten very positive reviews. I haven't, I haven't seen it staying for a while at the box office. I see it doing okay. Your thoughts on uh, this? Brand new idealized version from Seth Rogen, TMNT, Mutant Mayhem. Well, I think if we if we have the the yellow one piece suit that April O'Neil wore back in the day, then I think the movies would be fine. But without that particular suit, I think you're missing a big piece of the recipe. <laughs> the yellow, the yellow one piece. Her, she could she could probably think it's the best movie in the world, TMNT, Mutant Mayhem. Yeah. But as long as it does not have the yellow one piece that uh, <laughs> where's the camera overhead as far as if you honestly, that. I like I, I love that shtick from from the original cartoon. So, uh, yeah, it, you know, I don't I don't know if that's the case. I don't think it is. I highly doubt that it is. But it would be really funny if it was. So what are your thoughts out there on what's going on in the box office? Uh, you know, right now, there's still some good numbers. But unfortunately, right now, coming up in the near future. It's uh, not looking as good. Do you see any movie out there supplanting Barbie for the rest of this month? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, there's still much more to talk about on today's program. There's a lot of cool conventions that hopefully people got to in the past couple of weeks. A Final Fantasy convention here in town that celebrated Xbox finally getting Final Fantasy 14 10 years after its release. 
better late than never because you know PlayStation had a nice tight grip on it. Now, if we could only get Final Fantasy 16 on the Xbox, mm. that would be great. But obviously, that's a very contentious point when it comes to PlayStation and all that. But they had a Final Fantasy convention last weekend. This weekend here in Las Vegas, you had two, not one, but two great conventions in EVO World Fighting Championships where several smaller fighting games were announced as far as in development. So great to hear some of that news. Plus also, of course, the fighting tournament itself, which are televised all around the world on Twitch and other major outlets to millions out there. People, you know, actually, whether it's Super Smash Brothers, whether it's Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, some of the great names in the industry are all here for Evo. I know my friend who's helping to support a independent fighting game, Corrupt. Uh, he, they have his crew over there at Evo, so trying to go off and show their wear. So I wish them all that well as far as hopefully success for their game coming up here in the not too distant future. And then, of course, Star Trek. The annual Star Trek convention, which actually there was a lot of appearances by a lot of actors because, again, when you're signing autographs, it is about the money. So in times of need with a SAG after strike, I know they tell you not to go to these conventions. But as we saw last weekend at GalaxyCon, one of the larger pop culture conventions, and you see this weekend, you cannot take away a good convention money for some of these actors and then you also saw Gen Con, which you and I have both talked about in the past. We'd love to go to in Indiana as far yeah. as that one is the reigning tabletop RPG, I guess, uh, celebration mm-hmm. for everything tabletop RPG. And, and you know, I guess uh, manufacturers, publishers from all around the world. I know Free League was there as well. Everybody from all around the world was showing off their wares in the realm of tabletop RPG. So I ask you, my friend. Before we go into real detail on some of the stuff, your thoughts on on the fact that these conventions, now that the coronavirus is not fully behind us, but somewhat behind us, can now thrive in an area in a time where maybe some of these other conventions in the past maybe, you know, couldn't have. Yeah, it's it's really good to see. I, I like that the the convention circuit is is starting to bounce back, uh, you know, particularly for like nerd and geek culture. Um, I don't know a lot about construction conventions, for example, <laughs> but the, you know, I'm I'm just glad to see. There's these a guys- major one here in town that happens right after CES. That yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, you'll see all the cranes and the bulldozers, yeah. you know, the latest ones. They always put that in the front of the convention center. And, yeah, yeah, it's a it different look the, for the strip, for sure, for a few days. It, it's so weird because it goes from CES to that in a in a you know matter of a short time. So it's very yeah. weird how they pull it off each and every year. But go ahead, my friend. My apologies. Yeah, no, it's okay. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I'm, gl- I'm glad to see that things are starting to uh, get back to like normal when it comes to uh, these conventions. They, they really are important. They're important for fans of all of the things that uh, show up at the conventions. But I think it's just as important, as you said, particularly for Gen Con, where you have some of the more independent publishers who are able to go and it, talk about hitting your target demographic. I mean, the, the people who are going to go to Gen Con are people who play RPGs or they produce RPGs or they help to market RPGs. It, it really is kind of a a, 
best place to be for anyone who wants to be or is involved in the RPG circuit. And mm. uh, it's definitely something that I have aspirations for, for both Vampires and Vitae and Wizards and Wine to, to eventually get a chance to, to go and, and check things out. We talked about it for this year, but it just didn't feel correct for this year. Well, so we're gonna get you press passes. You, yeah, I, we're... I'll get you. I'll get you there. You, if you can find a way to, get, if you can get Robbie Ross, your mm -hmm. awesome husband, to go ahead, get you in the car or get you in the plane, fly yeah. over there. I'll get you press passes for it. They've been very gracious to me about doing or during the pandemic about getting, you know, I got from them virtual press passes. So. They've been very gracious to me, so I'll see what I can do to go ahead and help out. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. But yeah, that so that's that's definitely like the star of uh, the calendar year uh, for people who are into tabletop RPGs. The Star Trek conventions and stuff like that um, are, you know, I'm not going to, I know, almost said second tier, and I didn't, don't mean second tier, but in terms of like the importance of things that I need to check out and things that I think will help uh, our podcast and, and stuff like that. Gen Con obviously is number one, but when you're talking Star Trek and it's right here in this town, then, you know, that is, it's almost too easy to go to. Um, it was just a little cost prohibitive for us this year to, to actually go and attend. I told you I'd go and try and get you pass passes there too, young lady. Yeah, but it just, if, if I go, I really want to be able to go as a fan. And if you did get Not me Not interview any it, of them? Well, I mean, but that's just it, right? If I did go and I just wanted to be a fan and I just wanted to kind of geek out and spend too much money and, uh, you know, keep an eye out for Anson Mont the whole three days, you know, then I, I would attend in a different mindset. If I have a press pass, I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to work for the convention. Do you know what I mean? It's, yes, I, I, I it's hard to explain it, but yeah, it's, that's definitely one that I do want to go to as a fan um, before I cover it um, professionally, uh, you know, for a podcast or for uh, let's say, um, I don't know, one of the radio stations that uh, airs the show decided that they wanted somebody to go. I would happily go and represent that and, and be there to work. But going okay. as a fan is a very different experience. Okay. All yeah. right. Because uh, they've also been very gracious to me in the past. So I wanted to go ahead and make sure you know that that uh, I will try to do my very best. If you decide to change your mind and you want that exclusive interview with Anson Mount. <laughs> and uh, Yes. You can go ahead and, and let me know. We'll see what we can get done for you. But it is, of course, right now, again, some great conventions happening this weekend as we're talking Star Trek, Gen Con, Evo. Now, when it comes to Evo, again, this is probably the biggest by a slight margin of the three. It wasn't at one time. It right. was actually, I remember going when it was just in a, a, a side of a Caesars Palace convention center. It was one room, and there you go. But I know that the Evo World Fighting Championships have evolved, especially as the fighting games world has evolved into something much more bigger in the world of, in the era of Twitch. Right. In the era of Twitch, it has become something much more valuable, something much larger in scope and scale. So this weekend, obviously, with what's going on, you have millions of people as of right now. I clicked over to Twitch, and there it is right there. Millions of people watching evo and world fighting championships as far as seeing it just because it the fighting genre in games it's a great visual concept because you don't mm -hmm. necessarily have to sit and watch melinda or gerald play through a game for 20 hours let's say like starfield next month if i decide to stream that 
you're going to be watching me play a game for hours and hours upon, uh, you know, as far as on top of each other, just, just watching and watching and watching. With a fighting genre, you can watch a match and it takes 30 seconds, 30, 45 seconds, and yeah. you're done. So it's very easy consumption. So it was well suited for the Twitch era as being something that got elevated because of it. Yeah, absolutely. And and for all of those reasons, uh, you know, not not everybody too much to my chagrin is into long format um, <laughs> entertainment and content. Uh, so not everybody wants to sit at their computer and watch a show for two and a half to four hours. Yeah. Um, and I, I assume that that's the same uh, for streaming. I, I'm sure that there are people who do enjoy that and thank goodness that there are. Um, but yeah, no, if you can give me bite-sized stuff and I can jump in and out and I don't have to feel like I've missed four hours worth of commentary leading up to this thing happening in the game, then fantastic. I, I like okay. it when I can pop in and out. That's great. And they have, you know, just worldwide sponsorships now national sponsorships like chipotle is presenting evo 2023 that's a yeah. huge company right there so you see the investment that evo has taken from where it once was to where it is now like right now there's about seventy-five thousand people watching just some basic main stage action right now popping in and out but over the course of the three four day extravaganza you're talking about a million Mm -hmm. two million viewers watching this overall probably even more yeah for sure and it's uh it's a great uh brand recognition and it's but it's great for brands who are already familiar to uh the gaming world does that make sense like yeah um it's it's not out of the question for people even who are doing uh, like a longer format game like a tabletop rpg to have that break have some snacks have something to eat and uh, you know certainly chipotle would fit that bill so it it makes sense for them to to market with this particular convention it's smart Absolutely. And even Gen Con has been live on Twitch with several channels going on. So they're they're going into detail on Twitch and just the way that we're able to go ahead and just send out this information on these great conventions. Again, these are mid-tier conventions mm -hmm. that are just below the Comic-Cons. They're just below the E3s. Well, back when E3 was E3. They're just below Gamescom coming up overseas in Germany. They're just below that stature, but there's still thriving conventions with the fact that they have now influence in the marketplace later on. Now, in you know, as far as announcements at Evo, people are debuting their games or debuting their developed games or games in development at Evo, Gen Con, you know, Gen Con is a major place for tabletop RPG publishers mm -hmm. to announce what is upcoming in the future of tabletop RPG. Star Trek, you know that they're going to go ahead and showcase something, even the smallest thing for fans, because I know that they're kind of prohibited this year because of what's going on right. with the SAG after strike. But last year, they gave you some real headers and real stuff in advance regards Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Lower Decks, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, they gave you a lot of information on what's upcoming there that you couldn't get anywhere else ahead of time. So these places or these conventions are really starting to get their names out there and really starting to go ahead and gain a, a bigger stature. Final Fantasy with the major announcement for Xbox for Final Fantasy 14. That went over huge in the community as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to go back to, I think when they announced that they were even doing the Picard series that happened at 
the Star Trek Star convention Trek here convention. in Vegas, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it it is definitely a a a quest for Star Trek fans to eventually get to Star Trek Las Vegas. And you will get to it. Oh, oh yeah. you will. Oh, you will. No. Oh, yes. Yes, you will. <laughs> Even if I have to go ahead and hit the energy energizer. And then you have to materialize at the, what is it? It's still at the Rio? Yes, it is still at the Rio as far as I know. Still, yeah. Okay. Cause that place is not what it used to be. I'll just leave it at that. But yes, you <laughs> materializing into the Rio hotel and casino for that. And then the next year we got to energize you into Gen Con in Indiana. We're going to have to do that as well. So yeah, we'll work it out. We'll figure it Deal out. Deal with it. Yeah. Deal with it and you will like it and you will have fun. Kapla. Yeah, don't go. make me go to the places that I want to be, Gerald. Don't yes. force me into that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, you cannot have but a good time there. Yeah. <laughs> Deal with it. Right. Don't go and have the best time ever. Yes, that's yeah. terrible. My God. <laughs> but out there, if you've had a great time either watching or being part of Gen Con in Indiana, Evo, and Star Trek conventions here in Las Vegas, and the Final Fantasy convention in Las Vegas, we'd love to hear your thoughts on what you liked about those conventions or what you would like to see with those conventions going forward. And is there another convention you have in mind? I mean, the Bell County Comic Con, which is, the uh, you know again, a little lower step than the conventions are going on because these are mid-tier conventions we're talking about the one that josh peterson's selling at it's a it's a local but you never know it might get to that stature someday so tell us about your thoughts on some great ideas for conventions that you would like to see or what you know what that you've been to that you really want to go ahead and continue through please let us know your thoughts on the conventions for this weekend and more pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Well, my friend, one half hour down. One half hour to go here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks so much for watching and listening. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross from Vampires and Vitae. They are dark this week, so it gives you a chance and opportunity to catch up with all the great episodes either on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Plus also as well, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching and listening. Truly appreciate it. Big shout out to all the radio stations out there around the world that go ahead and play our show each and every week. We are indebted to you for doing so. So we get back into the conversation. Many of those radio stations that were on, Melinda, happen to play a little music from time to time. From time to time, yeah. From time to time. And one of the songs that they might play from time to time might be one from the hottest, and I don't mean that in a physical sense, but I mean hottest in a, she's making a ton of money everywhere. Yeah. Since it is Taylor Swift hottest musical act that's out there taylor swift her heiress tour which has been going on for months now just kicked off a weekend here in los angeles at the sofi arena several several locations uh, several dates in there i think five sofi stadium arena dates i think and that's a 50 60s 
Yeah, it's about a 60, 70,000 seat stadium. So you do the math on that. I mean, she is going everywhere and doing as far as everything, as far as creating this cultural phenomenon. I mean, every stop that she's at, the economy boosts by the tens to hundreds to even possibly, depending on how long her stay is, possibly even up to a billion dollars in revenue, you know, as far as from what she's done each and every stop. Her, I mean, people have estimated five, six billion dollars by the time that she's done with with her heiress tour. She recently rewarded everyone as far as on the staffs, as far as uh, at all the uh, venues that she's worked, especially the truck drivers, a huge amount of cash. I thought that was classic. I've never seen any musical act do that before. And I thought that was just a huge, huge, classy act. Much kudos to her for doing that, Some, especially these truck drivers who are driving this these you know these large sets for hours on end from one side of the country to another she just announced a extension of her tour which finally gets to your neck of the woods yeah. in canada mm-hmm. after uh justin Trudeau, uh you know was begging online please can you consider coming to our great country of canada well she listened and she's going to have several dates in toronto uh i don't know if that you know, his separation from his wife had anything to do with that, but you know. Oh, the I mean, scandal. Think... Can you imagine? Woo. Yeah, I know. Tell me about that. But <laughs> uh, I, I'll need that's that's for another show. We don't yeah. do that side of pop culture, <laughs> yeah. that's for sure. But uh, I will say though that she is going extended her tour to several dates in the US and also Toronto. Yeah. The interesting parts is I think uh, when she did some shows in Northern California, I believe the seismic activity from shake it off when she's singing it and the the audience just enjoying it and following along is such that it registers as a small earthquake which is just you know amazing so everything that you can say about her as an entertainer uh, it's just it's just tremendous but this is the concert event of the year by far. This most likely be the highest grossing concert tour of all time. And I want to hear your thoughts. Is this when it comes? I'm not talking about the the concert one venue event. We're not right. talking about it because and and you know Woodstock will always have its cultural place in history. So I know that took place over the course of a few days. You know, there's there's the the you know the the USA the, the not the USA but the the feed the hungry the 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 uh, yeah. the, the concert farm aid of the of farm yeah. aid yes the one the one in the UK mm-hmm. you know those 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 in the 80s those were you know impacting for different reasons but do you find this tour to be the most i guess iconic tour of all time do you do you think this is the greatest rock and roll tour of all time music okay. tour i should say music tour I'll, yeah I'll when, when you when you put rock and roll on there then that yeah, pop music paints pop it a music little bit tour. different yeah how, just, how, about, was, how about music in general music yeah in general. i think it's completely fair to call it a cultural phenomenon mm-hmm. um the uh and uh, uh, for a lot of the points that you've just made every stop that she uh makes with this tour uh you know revenues and for everything through the city that she's in uh seems to go through the roof um and it's still you know a lot of places like hotels and and the tourism industry and stuff are still 
trying to recover from COVID. And uh, a stop from the Taylor Swift uh, tour seems to be putting some really nice like antibiotic ointment on some of those wounds that are left over from COVID. So um, I, I do think that, um, you know, it, it's been really interesting to sit back and watch because we went from uh, the uh, Ticketmaster, right? Yes, the Ticketmaster yeah, the, scandal. Yeah, that, that whole thing, yeah. But look at how like she's it. responded. Like her, the concert itself is something like three and a half hours or three hours or yes. something like that. She performs like 30 or 40 songs or something like that through the duration of the show. So that's incredible. It, that's, that's, that's to yeah. me like Bruce, that's to me like Bruce Springsteen, like, because Bruce Springsteen has always been known, you know, he'll sometimes stay up there for five, six hours. You know, if you heard all the stories and he's yeah. always ma made sure that he gives you every fan worth their money. And, you know, these tickets are going, they're not cheap. No. They're going several hundred dollars to thousands of dollars mm -hmm. in some cases, tens of thousands of dollars on the secondhand market. So it's, you know, she's giving you every penny. And that's why people are loving it even more. Yeah. And, and it was, but it, that's what I mean. It, that's her response to it. Like she, she didn't, uh, really at least i don't remember her coming out and, and disparaging ticketmaster or anything like that um it she just dealt with it she's like okay if oh the if, government dealt with that that's oh sure. yeah the the government certainly did they definitely had their thoughts on it but you know she she looked at it and she said okay so now i have to put together a show that people are going to dig and be happy that they came to see that they paid multiple thousands of dollars for these tickets unexpectedly because that's not what my ticket price was supposed to be um, and her, her response to it, I think has been very well handled her PR people top tier. Um, and then we, we've known for a long time that Taylor Swift is generous. I mean, her connection with her fans, even on Tumblr, uh, where she was delivering hand delivering Christmas presents to some of her fans, uh, that she followed or that she watched on Tumblr, um, and stuff like that. We've known for a long time that Taylor can be very generous, particularly with her fans. Um, but now we're seeing it on a much more widespread, um, kind of level and yes. it's it's huge it's massive and uh i mean we know that taylor is making money hand over fist with this tour and you know a lot of people are kind of griping about that sure she gave away 55 million but she's making 200 million well so she gave away 55 million dollars you guys like that's that's wild. You never hear of people doing that. So you never, never have I heard an artist, yeah. you know, say, you know what, I'm going to give back to all the people working at these venues and give them a bonus and, and something that, that they weren't expecting. And it's not Christmas time. Yeah. It's not something where, you know, uh, like there's this designated time for her to give back. This was just out of the blue. And to me, it's extremely classy and just, you know, I don't know if it was her that brought, I'm assuming it's her that brought it up, you know, that, that as far as her wanting to do it, maybe or it's proposed to, regardless, she had to okay and sign off on it. And I think yeah. in doing so that it was just a tremendous, tremendous thing, a message that sends goodwill to not only those who work for, with her on this, on this tour, work for her, but also the fans that support her as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I can't imagine uh, driving a truck for a concert to be a low stress situation that you're in like you you have to meet deadlines if you don't meet deadlines the show does not happen 
So I'm sure that there's a lot of, um, you know, like behind the scenes, very specific to the truckers involved in the tour uh, that they have to deal with that we would never hear about. And um, they were given a hundred thousand each. Yeah, that's tremendous. I, and I'm I'm hearing that that's, and I'm I've only read it in one source, so I don't know how accurate it is, but I'm hearing that was actually the start of it. I hear I've heard that there's been a little bit more money attached to it as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's incredibly generous of her. Um, and certainly, I mean, a hundred thousand dollars is a life changing amount of money for an awful lot of people. Um, so yeah, I, can I go work for Taylor Swift? Well, I was going to say the hundred thousand dollars is life changing money, except for Melinda, who might actually throw that maybe into a twenty minute budget for vampires and BTS. Yeah, can you imagine? Let me. You give me a hundred thousand dollar budget, I will give you a vampire show. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely, indeed. And we may I'll, might be reading for a show yeah. for Melinda here upcoming mm -hmm. in the next few minutes, but we want to hear your thoughts on the Eras tour. Is it the biggest, largest, and most monumental? popular music tour of all time i think that's probably the best way i can say it i think it is uh you know as much as i want to say the beatles the beatles coming to america was influential not only well at that time it was grossing you know financial records at that time because they were playing in stadiums too similar to what 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 she is but not not extended shows not a series of stadium shows like like she was but you know, I think culturally, it's the problem. Before we go ahead and finish out uh, this segment, mm -hmm. culturally, how do you think it compares to something like when the Beatles came to America or Elvis on tour or let's say the Grateful Dead, who, as far as on tour, their tours were well known? These tours that have been monumental over the course of our, our decades. You know, um, Michael Jackson, when he went on tour with the Thriller Tour, I, I mean, Put this in perspective. It will gross. It will dwarf any other. You know these these tours that I'm talking about. But talk about the yeah. cultural impact. How will the cultural impact be for this tour twenty years down the line? Because we always remember the Beatles and some of these other tours when they you know it's about how monumental they were for their time. I it's I think it's going to um, when you look back on it. I, I think that that's when we're all going to realize how huge this truly was. And I, and it's funny how, how we're like that, where we've got to wait for time to pass. And then we look back and we go, wow, that really was special. That really was wonderful. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think that there's going to be a, a large group of people who, who, when we're talking about this, like you said, let's say 20 years from now, uh, we'll be like, yeah, Ah, that was that was a whole thing and it was huge and it might feel bigger in retrospect than it feels for us right now in a very strange way um but i i do think it's going to stand the test of time I, I think that this tour will be a tour that we talk about retrospectively uh for years to come and it always makes me nervous it sets as, a benchmark that's for sure yeah it truly does and it always makes me nervous for these artists who achieve this level of success because what's next like what what is she gonna have to do to be able to top this tour um that's always something that that i feel incredibly daunting on behalf of the people that i don't know and will never know in my life but it always feels very very daunting like i can remember hitting certain achievements in radio and i'd be like okay so what am i going to do next what how am i going to top that how am i going to make this more impactful than a thing that i did three days ago so it 
I, I guess in a very micro level, I kind of understand the, the daunting what's next mm-hmm. for Taylor Swift. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what she's going to do after the Eras tour. And I, I'm excited to be part of the conversation that people will have um, when we look back at this and realize just exactly how huge it was, because I don't think that people still understand how big this is. No. No, I agree with you on that. They don't understand the impact of it financially, culturally. Yeah. Uh, I think they haven't, a lot of people haven't gotten grips of that yet. They just, mm-hmm. but again, you see it's from celebrities to regular people just all coming together as one. It has become such a phenomenon and sensation. Uh, you know, it's Beyonce. I think she has exceeded extremely well over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as far as her tours, and she has done an amazing job on her tours. And, and even she is not uh, with her. I don't think she's ever really tried to do as many of these stadium shows as what what uh, Taylor Swift is doing currently. Right. I don't think anyone really, for that matter, has done any of these stadium shows in succession like she's really doing to the extent, not just running one or two. She's running at several venues, three, four, five, six dates at the same stadium going yeah. forward. Even here when, you know, she came in Las Vegas, multiple dates. Just mm-hmm. It just seems like that that she is doing something that's even unprecedented that no one has done before. And what I understand, at least it was true with her stop here in Vegas, that her merchandise arrives a couple of days before the tour does. So you can go to the truck and you can pre-buy all of your merch and then you get to wear that to the concert. That's all. That's all. It's usually a week before. It's it's usually a week before. Like, for instance, Mm. for the upcoming Formula One that's coming up here to Las Vegas, you do not think that they're going to have a lot of merchandise coming up here beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's, that's a standard. That's absolutely brilliant. Like you said, and the hype and she's not, she doesn't even have to do any interviews at local TV stations or radio Mm -hmm. stations. Like they do with most tours, you know, like when you were doing radio, you always had the artists coming by, Hey, come by, come to the arena, come to the stadium, come check us out. But she doesn't even have to do that anymore. It's a cultural event that people are just aware of. It's already sold out and, and it just, the hype, grows in and of itself organically and that is a testament to her and what she's done for sure i mean you have the the tens of thousands of people inside these venues but you also have tens of thousands of people outside of the venues who just want to be close to the venue during the show like that's that is something that is powerful that is something indeed. Mm-hmm. Well, we want to definitely hear your thoughts on the Eras Tour. Is this the most monumental tour in pop history? We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, before we get to my <clears throat> reading here by, mm-hmm. you know, as far as what the director has for me, we talked about Star Trek and the convention, of course, this past weekend. 
And if you would have talked to Anton Mount this weekend, I would have definitely would have texted you to please ask him about his singing. Yeah. Because this past week was a first in Star Trek history. Never has a full episode been devoted to music and to singing, where there was a whole episode structured out like a musical. And I will say Star Trek Strange New Worlds, episode nine, this whole season has been uh, all over the map as far as some truly outstanding episodes mixed in with some, eh, eh, okay, episodes. But then they pull it off with some great episodes like the the crossover with Star Trek Lower Decks, which I thought mm-hmm. was outstanding. And the second episode, I've told you already on the air, I thought was truly outstanding. This episode goes right up there with it. And people are already talking about how this episode is one of the greatest musical episodes ever to appear on television. Dating back, when you have to date back to Buffy the Vampire Slayer as yeah. a comparison to it. That tells you something right there, my friend. Yeah, that's telling you you caught lightning in a bottle. Yes. Mm. So I ask you, as a Star Trek aficionado, your thoughts on this, that Star Trek Strange New Worlds is veering out to all these different type of things, all these different type of feels. Star Trek as a whole, per se, but leading into the first Star Trek musical episode ever. Well, I mean, if, if if you're going to make a mark for yourself in the star trek universe you need to step outside of some star trek boundaries every once in a while and you need to we expect your typical star trek we expect new planets with uh, you know new aliens and we we expect all of that stuff from star trek we expect uh you know those storylines about you know friendship and friendships being torn apart and you know we're we expect those things we truly do but did you expect a klingon k-pop dance routine absolutely well you know there had there is there with, is with mixed in with some rap actually there are two i believe klingon pop stars okay. it wasn't that unusual for me but okay. with I, a I, dancing troupe behind him yeah i mean i mean incredible incredible why it's on why, youtube i just let you know yeah for sure why not just allow uh yourself the opportunity to do something so outside of the box and and just see how it's received. And, you know, I'm on a few of those Facebook groups and stuff like that. And a lot of people were not impressed with it. And then you go to a different Facebook page and people were, were raving about it and and calling it like groundbreaking Star Trek. Um, And they had fun doing it. And I told you last year, the reason why it was one of the best shows I thought of last year was the fact that they all in the cast looked like they were having fun doing the show. They all, had fun doing this episode. Yeah. I can guarantee you that. I've seen interviews and it looks like on their faces that they actually, during the episode, had absolutely a whale of a time doing this. Well, yeah, and and I think that that's a, that's a credit to the cast. It's a, it's a credit to the casting director for putting all of that stuff together. I don't know who on set is responsible for uh, like the, the vibe the, of the, the set. The choreography and the whole yeah, like all of those people, you know, thumbs up because that that was a way to make your mark in the Star Trek universe. That was a way to ensure that Star Trek Strange New Worlds is absolutely a series that we continue to talk about in terms of moments in Star Trek history. And I think this was a big one. Absolutely. And definitely a first. And I, I absolutely enjoyed it. And the concept of doing something different for each episode instead of just this ongoing theme going across the entire series Mm -hmm. like we've seen with picard 
like we've seen with Star Trek Discovery, going back to the roots of TOS, the original series, I think was a very smart ploy and allows them to go ahead and do, oh, we're going to do a time travel episode this week. Okay, we're going to go ahead and do a musical episode this week. We're going to go ahead and do a court episode this week. We're going to go ahead and do something different this week. Maybe a crossover with our car, with our animated series. So yeah, definitely allows them to do these different things just by the way the sheer different structure that they have from the other Star Trek shows. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just a, it's a breath of fresh air. Um, in, you know, in the, in the Star Trek, Star Trek can get stagnant. Sometimes it, it gets relaxed. It gets comfortable, um, even in the uncomfortable uniforms. Um, and you know, you, you turn on Star Trek and for more or less know what you're going to see, uh, with strange new worlds, you understand that you're watching Star Trek. It feels like Star Trek, but it has given it this infusion of, new ideas and uh, kind of different directions than we typically see. And, and I think it's wonderful. And hopefully it will create a balance of people like yourself and myself that have watched Star Trek over the years that know what we want to get and know what we want to see when it comes to Star Trek and it still enjoy it. But it creates a new audience, a larger audience, because I've told yeah. you and I've talked to Josh about this as well, about you know, it having a ceiling. Star Trek has a ceiling in pop culture that has just not been able to break through and that's why they've never had really a super hit movie or they've never really had a, 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 what, a platform of success in regards to a huge ratings hit on, on, on broadcast television. And that's, that's part of the reason why, because people have a certain expectation of what Star Trek is. So I'm glad that, that Star Trek Strange New Worlds is breaking those expectations and doing something different. And for the most part, it's working. Yeah, it's it's innovative in the in the Star Trek universe, and and that innovation um, is very much needed. And you know, we we talked about um, you know the the argument over whether or not Star Trek truly has that cap and and what they can do to break through it. And uh, you know, I I said you know Star Trek needs to sell itself as not your daddy's Star Trek, and it, that feels a little bit like what Strange New Worlds is kind of dabbling into with with just trying these different things and, and seeing if it works and seeing if it's going to be accepted. So what are your thoughts out there on the latest episode from Star Trek Strange New Worlds? It is a first for Star Trek, and that is a episode totally devoted to singing, song, and musical, a Star Trek musical, as it were. Please share us your thoughts on this historic episode with only one episode left in the season. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the season as a whole. What are your thoughts on Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com? Well, my friend, I've delayed it enough. <laughs> Go ahead and uh, be able to send this over to you as far as the voice acting director is concerned. I am now become the voice acting talent. I've got the uh, got the script here. Okay, uh, which one are, which me, one are we gonna do? We're gonna go so we can do all three that you okay. have for me okay uh lines for the campaign for you, for you Gerald, go nuts have fun go big is what go you big. told me as far as yeah. the notes so give me a context of what you think this is going to be and what how it takes place okay so um in the the beginning of my very first homebrew campaign that i'm writing um it's going to we're we're keeping the characters from the las vegas table and we're just going to send them through the mist um, and they're going to land um, kind of in the middle of this battle that's already happening. So they're they're jumping in like, let's say, midway through this 
this incredible battle that's happening. And they save the the commander of the the army and he invites them back to the camp. So every time they're going to be walking through this army camp, they're going to hear in the soundscape that I'm going to build for it, for the, particularly for the podcast, they're going to hear these stories that, you know, soldiers telling stories around a campfire is really the concept. But I wanted it to be a little bit silly and I wanted it to be, and I really want it to um, kind of lend itself to the concept of, you know, soldiers trying to decompress after a really hard fight, or they've been marching for months. And this is how they kind of amuse each other is with these little stories that our characters are going to hear kind of in passing as we kind of walk through the camp. So the, the entire thing that you read may not be there word for word, but it's certainly going to show up at different points. And I think it'll be even better if I can reuse some of the audio. So you hear maybe a different piece of, for example, never wake a sleeping gnome. So you may hear the beginning of that, but you don't hear the end of it because the characters and in the podcast have walked past that particular campfire. But it doesn't mean that you're not going to tell the story again. So they may pick up the rest of the story at some other point at any time they walk through the camp. So I just want this to be part of like the, the background noise that helps kind of really build the world and create a level of immersion for the podcast that I'm trying to get. Throw in every like cheesy thing that you can think of, like go to the extreme with it. And then we'll do another take where we pull it back in. And I think that will be the, that will be the winner. So make this okay. one as big as you can make it. Like just go full ham. Here we go. Okay. Never wake a sleeping gnome. I'm not kidding about this. Sure. You know, not to wake a barbarian because you're liable to get your arms chopped off. Chop, 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 chop. But gnomes are worse. They can cast spells before they're fully awake, you see? But I'm still half dreaming. You haven't regretted a decision quite like getting polymorphed the first thing in the morning. Okay, now we're going to switch back to like a more subtle. And what that should do is it should give you a point kind of in between both of them. And I think that's where we want to be. I think that's the pocket. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Never wake a sleeping gnome. I'm not kidding about this. Sure, you know not to wake a barbarian because you're liable to get your arms chopped off. But gnomes are worse. They can cast spells before they're fully awake, see? But they're still half dreaming. You haven't regretted a decision quite like getting polymorphed the first thing in the morning. Brilliant. I wouldn't change anything about that. But I thought it'd be interesting for our listeners to hear what it's like in the uh, voice acting booth per se, but any last thoughts director before we head on out? Yeah. As soon as I have any of the audio scapes kind of built, I, I can share them with you here. If you'd like, you can, we can have the, the first look and you can tell me if you feel that that is compelling the way that I put it together. So me channel is Sue channel. So you might, <laughs> yeah. you know, do you always know you can put stuff here? Absolutely. The invitation's always there for you and Josh. We're all in this together right here at the pop culture cosmos. I should give Josh some lines. Absolutely. I'll pass I'll them look. on to you. Okay. Fair right. enough. <laughs> Sounds good indeed. He thought he was going to have a time off. <laughs> yeah. I can't do that. That's funny. So for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. 
It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. <coughs> voice acting, of course. <laughs> we thank you for listening, especially to my voice acting. And here's hoping you have yourself a great.